turn, if you will, to Philippians 4. As uh, I'm going to do something I've never done in 40 years in this church, and that is I want to tell you why I give. This is testimonial. So I'm not going after you to choke you. I'm just giving my testimony. Is that okay? Thank you. Uh, I heard a pastor do this, and I was inspired by it. And uh, lest I forget, today we are collecting these cards, and we're going to take the offering at the end of the sermon because I want to deal with uh, giving and our constant uh, dependence on the Lord. Uh, I had Tim Valstrom just make out a chart for me on what this church needs every week to keep the doors open. Seven churches a day are closing in America due to economics. That's seven. Do that 365 times seven. That's how many churches will close this past year. Seven churches a day. More mosques are being built in America than churches. Churches are becoming extinct just over economics alone. I don't want us to be one. We need, I know you want to know this at Christmas time, but you need to know it. We need $40,000 a week to uh, just do our general expenses. Pay everybody, PG&E, literature, all of our vendors. That's not paying our house payment. That's just general, 40000 to help you remember. A week, uh, since there's 52 weeks in a year, we need $2,095,000 in a general fund gift to operate as we do. In missions, we uh, budget and aim at $110,000 a year. Our goal would be to give at least 10% off of our general, which would be $200,000. But we've not reached that yet. But uh, so far, we've received $102,000. We're only $8,000 off. We've got four weeks to reach the 110. And uh, thank God for you that support that. Our mortgage payment, uh, uh, we need $7,700 a week. $7,700 a week, uh, $33,000 a month, $402,000 a year it costs us for the house payment. $400,000 a year just get to meet here instead of Holy Ghost Hall. Holy Ghost Hall was only $140 a month. But we wanted 15 years ago our leadership said when we were having two services in the Family Life Center, and when the children's ministry met there, the junior high met there, the high school met there, the congregation met there, and we met in two morning services, and we were wall-to-wall -wall in offices and taken up. Dave Howard especially said, you've got to build, you've got to plan. I said, you need to go back to the fire department. I don't want to build. We don't have that kind of money. And he said, where's your faith? And I said, well, uh, the war department in most churches is building programs, and I don't want to be in a building. He said, well, you will, and what you'll do, and he told, told it to me in front of the men. He said, what you'll do, Philip, I know you, when we are busting the seams and the roof is about to cave in, you'll look to me and say, why haven't we built yet? I said, exactly, that's what I'm going to do. He said, well, Dumbo, it will take three years just to get it through the city. You don't know anything about city planning. I said, I don't. I don't want to know. He said, I'll do it. And he did it. And because of his persistence and skills and nagging Rich and I and the other men, he was far wiser than us. When we built this building, it cost us $7 million. Today, it's estimated to cost us 21 to $25 million because steel and cement went out of the roof after we built this building due to China. We never could have built had we not when we did it would because we could not have afforded a $20 million building program. But God 
open the Red Sea, let us get through it. And so we're paying on something we felt God wanted us to do. It was a wise move, but I resent paying interest, and I'm praying for it to be paid off. It's not my vision statement. I don't live to pay off this. If I die and you still own this building, I won't feel bad when I see you in heaven. <laughs> we did the right thing. We made a right, but I just don't want money going to interest when it can go to ministry. But I don't have the 4.7 million to pay it off. God does. And I don't think we're asking him because I don't believe our faith is that big. We need to start asking. Just eliminate the mortgage. We would breathe easier. We would hire more, do more, do more for everything we could. I don't want to go. We give in this church to uh, help needy people. And you, we don't budget agape, but you've given 61000 this year in a hard time. Guess what? Ever since I preached on giving in April, our agape requests have gone probably 50% less. I can't explain that, but I know you people have kept giving, and we've dispersed nearly $40,000 to needy people this year uh, that need to pay rent, buy food, buy shoes, order. and we've got another list that Ron Hughes just handed me last week of agape things we want to do at Christmas. We look for the needy. We look for widows. We look. That's what it's there for. You've given it. We want to distribute it. You're a giving group of people. At least 15% of you are. 85% of you give less than 5,000. Uh, another percentage, 71%, give less than 2,000. 32% of our congregation does not give $100 a year. 32%. 52% give less than 500, which means you know nothing about systematic giving as you ought. But I would tell you today, I would like to just tell you why I love to give and why it's been a lifelong journey. Two verses I'll read. I'm not going to exegete. I'm not going to arc. That's an inside joke among us men. But I will read the text as an excuse to dive into my testimony. Philippians 4.19 I used to write Philippians 4.19 when I started the church at the top of a sheet of paper, and I called it God's Checkbook for Bankrupt Christians, and I was broke. So I would do that, then I would write all my bills. I go back and look at them. They're a joke, $39 here, uh, 50 here. But when you have nothing, every bill seems huge, right? And, but I, and I kept them. And I'd always write this verse out. When a church sent a love offering to Paul, and Paul was not able to pay them back, God picked up his debt, and he said, and my God will supply every need of yours, not every greed, but every need of yours, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He'll do that. Hebrews 11:6 6 says... If you come to God, you must believe that he is, and here's something we don't think. Grace people don't talk this, but God believes it. Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder, rewarder of those who seek him. And the word reward means to pay a wage. God pays a wage to everyone who seeks him. Not always in money. But he's saying, no one seeks me and will not be rewarded for it. He'll, he'll make it worth your time if you seek him. I love that promise. I don't have time to go into my heart-rending story of how my father rewarded me daily when I met him at a railroad track on crutches, how that he began to share a part of his lunch every day. And then God made that come alive to me as I saw this verse. Because my dad said, my crippled son will not make the effort to want to be with me without me sharing my lunch with him. And God says, no man will seek me without me sharing my resources. I will share my resources. 
I must say this to you. Uh, it is quite some burden to uh, be in ministry. All I want to do is preach. I don't want to worry about budgets. My own finances are under control until Carolyn leaves the house. <laughs> but even she is so frugal. We had to get by with whatever for some. But you know what? I find that trusting God for resources is an unending thing if you're in ministry. Uh, for instance, I have to trust God that this church budget will be met. It's a part of the weight of my office and this leadership. Uh, I must trust God when I hear about missionaries who are uh, beleaguered with financial woes, uh, people sick. You no, know, Nilo's wife just had to have an emergency heart surgery. And I'm asking, I wonder if they have enough money to pay for it. Well, it's none of my business. No, Nilo Sanchez doesn't sound like a Howard. Why should that bother me? Because I'm in the family of God, and what touches one member of the family touches all of us. Why should I worry that a guy has no shoes? That's not my problem. It is my problem. If I've got the resources to buy a pair of shoes. Because I'm in a bigger family than the Howard family. Some of you say, well, our finance, what's wrong with all these people? They don't know how to manage money because your eyes are blind. And Jesus said, you don't see men as I do like sheep in need of a shepherd. Pray the Lord of the harvest to thrust people into his harvest. I think of trusting God for staff. If I hear of one of our staff, Gabe and his wife needed a car. I say, tough, that's your problem. Don't get that luxury. That's why I want the staff to be paid good. I want to sleep good at night. I know times when we set salaries so low, I wonder how are they making it. Needs, 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 needs. I cannot tell you how many requests for financial aid from missionaries we get a month besides the 10 we support. I tell you, we could have just in a month, we could have 20 other missionaries and add that by 12 months, and they're all legitimate. They all are fine people. They all need finances. They're willing to do the work. They just got to pay rent, buy milk, and clothe children. Doesn't sound too super spiritual, but you know what? I don't pay my gas with an Oral Roberts credit card. I pay it with real money, or I put it on my debit card. Money is tied to all ministry. People get poor. People become homeless. And they didn't plan it. It just happens. Well, let me, after saying that, I have no choice as long as I'm in ministry. For so many years, I was hoping I would have enough for myself now I find out as God has supplied and helped all these years, my burden is for others, how to help others. Let me give you seven uh, testimonial reasons I give. There's more, but you've got to shut up sometime. So let me just give you seven. I want you to fill these out, and there'll be a test on this after the sermon. And uh, we'll take an offering. We're going to collect these cards that we put in the bulletin. We, we have this challenge. Our stewardship campaign ends this month, but our rent doesn't end. It continues. We're going to be doing another stewardship program in perilous economic times of all times, an insane time. The only problem is the bills and the needs never stop, no matter what the recession does. So we're going to start that in January and with working with Robert Richardson probably the first quarter of the year. But since all of our givers will have kept their commitment through December, we need some people who say, I'm willing to extend my commitment to the mortgage for another three months so we can make the mortgage payment. 
It's just that simple. And uh, we all just drop that today in the offering. If you have prayed about it, we sent these to your home. And uh, I had to fill out one myself. See, it's really tough to promote giving and not give. And so I want you to help me pay off the mortgage so I can quit making these commitments. Guess what? I've got so used to it. You know what I do to it? And I'm the largest missions giver in this church. None of you give more to missions than I do. None of you. Ron Hughes told me that. That's how I found out. I would take that money that doesn't go to mortgage, I'd pour it back into missions and pour it back into hiring more youth back up to these guys. We're booming in our youth ministries. We would need, we need at least two or three other people full-time just back of these people. If Deborah got sick, I have no one to back her up but volunteers. We're, our bench is so thin in this church, it's not even funny. Why haven't we added more? You've got to pay them a salary. If we had money, we'd do more. We've gone for 40 years and never paid a sound man full-time to do all that we need there. So it's amazing. But I want to go. Dave Hart taught him when I go three minutes on each point, just raise your hand, then I'll stop right there because I got three points. Now, I don't have seven times three minutes. Here we go, number one. This is why I give. I give because it always blesses me. It is more blessed to give. Say that with me. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Who said that? Where did he say it? Nowhere in the Gospels, but when he's talking to the church at Ephesus in Acts 20.35, he says in Acts 20.35, and you know what our Lord Jesus said? Not one of the four writers of the Gospel ever wrote this down, but Paul somewhere got it that Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, Proverbs 22.9 says, a generous man will himself be blessed. And um, I tell you, I always am, the thrill I get in being able to alleviate someone's need is overwhelming. I've been on the other end, and I needed it. I know what it is to not have tires, and my friend Jim buy me tires when I got married. I know what it is to be the broke one. I know it is the one always in need, that I had no spare to give. Uh, just people's kind, people giving me $20 when I began in ministry was like a $100 bill today. I thought, wow, what a bonus. This is wonderful. But I cannot tell you the thrill it is to me when I give, how I feel. Last Monday, uh, I had, a, of course, at my day off, the Lord started dealing with me. I've had two students in a seminary class I've been teaching who commute from Eureka, and they stay down two days a week, 330 miles one way. And the Lord on Monday says, why don't you help buy those men some gas and give them enough money to have a decent meal on the way home? And so I, in my mind, I, I picked this amount. And by Tuesday, when I was getting ready to teach and the Lord says, isn't that awful stingy? They'd have to, the only thing they could eat would be a McDonald's Big Mac. And they need a Prius in order to get there as long as you've given them for gas. You tight one? Well, I thought I was just good, doing good to be willing to give anything. And so after the Lord uh, dismissed the other students in the class, and these two men are there. They ride together. I said, the Lord spoke to me yesterday to help you men buy some gas. This one man, three children, 18 people in a church he's trying to start. He said, I can't tell you, Prof, how tight it's been. Christmas coming on. I've got three kids. I wonder if I'll be here next semester. I can't hardly pay the gas and keep it up. Another guy's wife is expecting. So we just... We're just barely making it, but we want to know God's word. I said, well, here's some money from Tightwad. And uh, the Lord told me on Monday to give it to you. And I see grown men, 148, one nearly 30. 
just there saying, we can't refuse it. We're too broke. Nothing. Having kept that money in my pocket could never do for me what it did by giving it. I had a man call me that same day and told me what grade he made. I paid his tuition. He's reporting to his financial man. He said, I'll pay the tuition, son, but you tell me what you get in the class. If you get a B, I cut off support. Aced it. Aced it. This guy right here, three minutes. I thought he wanted me to give him an offering. No, it's three minutes. <laughs> David, I've never seen you so obedient. <laughs> David's getting ready to take a preaching class that I love this prof that is up in years. I said, David, I'll put money on you to take this one class with Haddon Robinson. It'd be worth it to me. And if you're not 10 times better at the end of this class, I want a refund. Uh, two, uh, I give because I've shown how to tithe when I was 15 years old by my sister Hazel. I got saved at 14, backslid a few months, couldn't give up dances, rock and roll, and, and all the temptations of a 14-year-old, and got back on track at 15, and I went to a youth camp, and God called me in 59 to preach, and I burned all my bridges and my, my little sister Hazel said, come here, honey. Now, look, a 15-year-old. I didn't even get, I grew up when you had to get, get allowance. You ever hear of that age? You didn't get an allowance? My dad said, your allowance is you sat at my table. Anybody grow up that way? That was the allowance. I'm having to pay my kids, grandchildren to do anything. Please do it. I'll give you five bucks. You know, my dad said, do it or find a place to live, that kind of thing. You know, very kind. Uh, so she sits down, and, and she says, Philip, here, let me show you. Now, I'm only 15 and educated Richmond, so she's wondering about if I get it. And, and she said, 10 cents. And she just this one, 10 cents out of a dollar is tithe. Oh. And they said, let me show you another way. If it's $2... And 50 cents, what would that be? Twenty Educated enrichment, thank you. <laughs> 20. I've got a little ledger that I bought. I've got their ties for the month, $3.50. Uh, $2. Big month would be, oh, man. Well, 250 be a big money. Then I'd get 16, and they start giving me preaching offerings at youth groups. And see, I belonged to a denomination when I was 16. I had exhorter papers. I had to tithe off of every offering and send it to a headquarters, or they dropped my papers. So I had to do that. Every offering, I had to do that. Plus, I was to support a local church. And so I started doing that from 15 on, and I've got the ledger still. I've got them in a file at home. And so from the age of 15, 52 years later, I have never been given a financial gift, but what God doesn't get the first 10%. I was having coffee with Carolyn here the other day. And uh, you folks were so kind, the 40th, to give us a generous financial gift. And I thought, good. I, I want to get that thing in the bank as soon as I can. In my account. <laughs> Checks were made to each of us, but I, I should be the, you know, I'm the whatever. And, <laughs> and, and Carol had said something like this to me as we're drinking coffee. Have you honored the Lord with the first fruits of that gift? Carolyn, it's a gift. <laughs> well, isn't all income a gift? Thank you, Kevin. You know, Hollywood has these laugh-ins. They just tape it in. Kevin's there. <laughs> I pay him a fee to do that. So I said, I was so thankful she didn't know 
I had already written the check and it was in my wallet. I said, I already wrote it, but I'm so glad you reminded me. We couldn't imagine getting financial blessings and not giving God at least 10%. I don't even have to pray about it. What I, my goal has been how much beyond that I can give. I give away now to this church more than my salary for the first 20 years I worked here. And I have more than I ever had in my life. Now you say, well, why do you share this? I thought we were supposed to keep this secret. That's the problem. We've kept the testimonies in secret, and the next generation doesn't know these stories. Jesus said, do your good works before men. How, how are they going to know it? Do what you do before, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5, 19. And Randy Alcorn is the one who got me. As I read his books, he said, we say all this giving is secretive. It's so secretive, nobody's doing it. <laughs> Why do we hide good and advertise evil? Uh, why don't you, uh, what would be wonderful for every parent in this church, you ought to set your kids down and tell them why you give the way you do, and then start putting out an offering every Sunday for them to go to church with. You ought to be teaching your kids to give. My dad gave all of us kids an offering every week. We went to a church, a Pentecostal church in Richmond in those days called uh, Hillside Assembly up in the El Cerrito Hills. Guess what? My dad would check with my Sunday school teacher, did Philip give his offering? Guess what? I didn't. I bought penny candy. Because he, heard, he checked with her several weeks and finally said, Philip, what are you doing with that quarter? Now, this is 19, in the 40s. I was going, well, you see those mint juleps across there? <laughs> Penny can't. I think I might have got a swat for it. And he said, now, next week, I'm going to check with Pat. Pat Watson was my teacher. I'm going to ask her if you gave that money. I'm wanting to teach you to be a giver. Have any of you ever taught your kids? Have you ever even told them what you give? Why not? Where are they going to learn it? TV won't teach them. The world won't. Go ahead, David. You need to be raising your hand. So, uh, I give number three because Jesus Christ became the Lord of my life when I was 15. And there was a song written in the 70s, I forget who uh, wrote it, that describes a guy in the driver's seat. One of the youth guys may remember it. And it goes on that finally the Lord speaks to him. He was crazy. He was getting in trouble, going everywhere. And the Lord spoke to him, why don't you put me in the driver's seat and you get in the back seat and I'll do the driving. And that's what happened when you accept Jesus as Lord of your life. At 15, I accepted that Jesus would be the Lord of my body. Only, I would date only who he said I could date. That sex would be only when he said it was right in marriage. And from 15 on, doesn't this sound ridiculous? By the way, we ought to be saying young people could be preaching by the time they're 16. Young people could be doing a lot of things for God. They don't have to wait to be in the adult service. At 16, 15, I learned to give. At 15, I gave my body away, and I said, I won't date who you don't want me to date. I won't give my body to who you don't want me to. And any money, anything I get at 15, I have nothing. I'm living at home. Uh, believe me, I had no money. I had to ask my dad for money. Thank God for 21 cents a gallon gas. Anybody remember? 19 cents if you went down to San Pablo. I knew where the place was. Five bucks could fill your tank. But I said, Jesus, you're going to be Lord. And he said, of everything? I said, of everything. You mean dating? Dating. You mean you can't, you can't have sex with them before you marry? You're Lord. 
Whatever you say, Lord, don't. I'll keep you. Money? Yeah. Everything. The biggest problem today is people haven't treated. They want fire insurance so they don't go to hell. They just don't want God running their life. And they're making a wreck out of it. When will you let Jesus in the driver's seat and you get in the back seat? He ought to be the director of your life. Jesus Christ. Uh, fourth, I give because God has promised to bless those who give. And uh, Philippians said, my God is able to repay you. Luke said, if you give, it shall be given to you with the same measure you measure it out. If you're stingy in giving it out, God's going to be stingy in giving it back. You determine the measure. I can give a $100 bill today like I was able to give a $10 bill 20 years ago. What about you? Does your prosperity ever change your amount? Uh, Matthew 6 said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he'll add all this to you. I must say, uh, there's good times and bad times, and I thought mutual funds were the greatest things ever invented. And Rich Rollins told me, you need to invest with American funds. They're so stable. For your retirement, you know. In the church, we do what's 403B. That's nonprofits, hospitals, church. And so we started doing these doing our own self-directed 403Bs, uh, maybe 15, maybe 20 years. I'm not sure exactly. But I just thought that was great. When I started seeing some of those uh, monthly things that came in and that it had gone up $100, I, I just nearly danced around the table. I'm making money. I'm going to be wealthy at this rate. And I've lived through three downturns of which... I estimate 40, at least 40% of it's been wiped out. And at my age, you don't live long enough to make it back up. And so I thought, who invented mutual funds and stock market? Gene Stavel, who makes a living doing this and in insurance, saw him at an elders meeting a few weeks back and uh, he seemed burdened. I said, what is it, Gene? He said, I got a tough week in front of me. I got to go to a bunch of clients that the market is making everybody afraid. They may want to jump ship. I got to hold hands, try to calm them. He said, it is a turbulent, t difficult time market. What am I to tell these people? Now, let me say this. Hear me. I decided I'm not smart enough, powerful enough, nor rich enough to guarantee my financial future so I would trust God with it. Let me tell you what we've done. If you ever handle this stuff, most of you just use a card, but they make what is known as a cash bill. In this church, I'm afraid to show anything higher than 20 bucks. And it says right here, in God we trust. Does yours say that? And what Americans have seen, they think it says, in God we trust. And they're bowing down to this. They think this is the God. In, in this e pluribus unum, I trust. It's the only security I've got. I've decided that though the cattle die in the stalls and the grapes dry up on the vine, I will trust him. And my financial future is no greater than his promise keeping and his power to provide because I don't know what's going to happen to markets. 
And I don't call Gene or any other broker every time there's a crisis because they can't do a thing about it. They're as helpless as we are. They're subject to what we're going to do with Greece, Spain, Italy. Is the euro going to hold together? Is it time for the Antichrist? It's been ready for the Antichrist for a thousand years. Just show up. It's going to happen. Who are you going to trust? No matter what scheme you're working on, you can lose it. You can lose it any day. But you can't lose what you put in God's hands. So I decided I'll throw in my lot with God. I give because my heart, this sounds so pious. I, I wish I could lessen it, it but it's, it's my own vocabulary. It's the only way I can say it. But don't please, please don't give me too much credit for being super pious. This is the way I say it. I give Because my heart is chained to a sacrificial leader, an example, called Jesus Christ. I'm chained to a sacrificial leader, an example. My example isn't Wall Street. My example is not Donald Trump. I'm a fool to be in the ministry when I said yes. 52 years ago, among the small groups of Pentecostals we were running with, if there was a man there that made 10000 a year, I'd be highly surprised. And I talked to some of my African-American pastor friends in Oakland and Berkeley. All they went in, there was no money. I know different African-American pastors who have worked two jobs, get to preach on Sunday. There was no money. They paid the bills. They paid for the building. They just wanted to preach, and the people couldn't support them or did not. When your example is a foot-washing, stooping Christ who said, I will divest myself of all my external riches and become poor, why, why, I want to make you rich. What an exchange. You see, he's been rich, becomes poor, is rich again. For my whole life, you started from nothing. This is the highest you've ever got. Would you want to go back to nothing again? Oh, whoa, 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 Lord. Call me only to a big church now. Would you rent the hall over and start all over? Or have you got used to your comfort, used to your check, I've, I, I'm arrested. If he's Lord, he's Lord when I'm writing out a check. How can I match him? How can I catch up? Thank God I'm saved by grace. I can't earn it. I can't give enough to earn it. But this is the template. That's why the third world countries are afraid for any of their men to come to America. They don't want them to catch the materialism disease that plagues us. Uh, Christ is the example for me. Six, I give because I believe in the mission of this local church. I believe in the church. I've always been a churchman. It's anomaly to be a Christian and not be devoted to a church. How can that be? I love Christ. I just don't love what he died to found. <laughs> I love Christ. I just don't love his people. And I love this local church. Uh, you know, uh, as a member of this church, Donna helped me out. I said, give me the documents we have people fill out when they join. Maybe... Any of you thinking about joining may have second thoughts, but that's all right. We try to tell you up front and not lie. Page 26 of the membership class says, to belong to this church, giving to God through his church. Valley Bible Churches teaches that every believer should be a giver. Our motivation for giving is to be gratitude to God. 
Our giving is visible proof of our devotion to God and the support of his work. We encourage his people to start with 10%. Uh, I will support the testimony of my church by attending faithfully, by living a godly life, by giving regularly. Each one of us on the first day of the week will bring an offering to honor the God we call Lord. This is what we fill out when we join this church. One of the four commitments, I will support the testimony of my church by attending faithfully, by giving regularly. Second base, we have a whole section, whole section on how to give. And Dave Howard, a winning poker player, teaches it. He's won so good they've knocked him out in Reno before and woke up in Placerville. He loved to gamble. He was good at it. He wasn't better than the mob. They knocked him out. But he teaches the habit of giving. The old gambler boy became the biggest giver in our church for years. He teaches people what it's like to shake loose some money and put it in God's hands. That's what we teach people who join this church. Now, if you join this church and you're not doing that, you're lying. You're not keeping a vow, or we twisted your arms, or you acted against your conscience. But I want to give my money to this church, and I'll tell you why. This church preaches Christ, whether it's me or one of our other staff pastors. This church preaches Christ. I want to put my money where Christ is preached. This church preaches the Bible. Just look up in any catalog you want. If you've been around here any amount of time, tell me how many Bible books you've heard. I've not preached myself. I've preached Christ. Whether you like the way I preach, that's between you and God. We have done the best we can to preach the Word. We've done that. We still are committed to that until he comes. Um, this church has fought the extremes in church life between legalism and licentiousness. We've told from the beginning, you can come in jeans, you can come in cutoffs, you can come with pierced ears, tattooed bodies, you can look weird. We will not judge you. We will love you. And you don't think that because we're nice now, but I started in a dance hall that some of you are at. You can come any way you want it. We didn't care how you dress. Just come, kid. We're going to love you. And we're going to trust God to change you. The grace of God will change you, not a bunch of rules. I hate rules in church. I hate rules. I hate rules. I hate legalism. It's a false spirituality. Only the spirituality that grace teaches you is legitimate. If you're doing it out of a rule, you're under legalism. You need to flee to Christ. He'll deliver you. I don't need a law to live for Christ. The Spirit alone keeps me from adultery. The Spirit keeps me from stealing, not the Ten Commandments. The Spirit makes me love my neighbor, not the Ten Commandments. I'm under grace. I'm under the power of the Spirit, and I don't need any rules, and I don't want a legalistic church. I want my money to go there. This church supports missions. Uh, You've given more, more, and at the, as we were meeting last week, we've got money we're going to be dispensing this month. By the end of the year, we're doubling our gifts to all of our missionaries. We give them an extra uh, month's support at December so they can make Christmas for their family. You've made that possible. Ten families will get checks from us that say, here's your regular monthly support, and here's an extra check. Go buy your kids something. And thank God for Valley Bible Church. This church gave out nearly sixty thousand, gave out nearly forty thousand dollars this year to poor folks that had no family, and no social service. The only place I knew they could get help was here. And our men dispersed forty thousand dollars. You don't know about that. You don't think we love the poor. They're coming to our office all the time. Ron Hughes and Dave Howard oversee the Agape Fund. Ron publishes us a monthly report of everybody that was given a check this month to make it through the month. You gave the money, we distributed. I believe in a church that has compassion on people that have nothing. I want to be where we don't forget the poor. I believe in the rescue mission. 
I believe in John Sarkar in Bangladesh. I believe in the check we send uh, to help first resort, help young pregnant women not to abort their babies. Come on, it's one thing to be against it. It's another thing to help the girl with some money to get through it. And we're having a part in it. That's why I give to this church. I believe in it. And if I didn't, I'd find me a church where I did believe. Because this is really our vision statement. I just came up with it. We had a meeting about a vision. I couldn't come up with one. Now I got it. <laughs> Glorify God by obeying the Lord Jesus Christ's command to reach those without him and help them become mature disciples of Christ. I don't want a country club church or a bunch of pew setters. I would. The goal of this church is to see you grow up in Christ and become productive. It's not the goal of this church to make you comfortable. It's to make you mature and become like Christ. And if you don't like that mission, what in the world are you doing here? And why are you setting under this and not maturing? And giving will be one proof that you're maturing. I, um, I, we never evangelize like we should, but I want to. We never do enough for missions, but I want to do something. That's why I give. And when I join this church, I pledge my money, my time, my body, my influence. Finally, I must say, I, I give because at the end of the race will be the coach. And he's going to ask me uh, these kind of questions. For me, as a believer, did you obey me or did you not? Two, I'm holding you accountable for how you pastored Valley Bible Church these past 40 years. I'm not impressed with the buildings I'm not impressed with your salary. I want you to answer me. How did you take care of the sheep I put under your influence? I've got some questions I want to ask you about that. Was it the money? Was it your name? Was it for me? I'm going to ask you what you did with the gifts I invested in you. I'm going to ask you, did you visit the sick, help the poor, visit the imprisoned. What have you done in my name? And every one of you will face the same Lord. We must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may be appraised about our life, what was good, what was bad. And the word bad is not the word evil, but worthless. That you just invested your life in that which is worthless. I ask you this, what are you giving to support the work of Jesus Christ? What are you giving right now? Don't make it ambiguous. Don't say, well, my wife does the check. That's a escapism, Adam. That man of the house needs to know with his wife what they're giving. No excuse in ignorance. Two, uh, why are you not supporting the work of the Lord? If you're not doing it, Answer that for yourself, you and the Lord. Why don't you support the work? Is it you don't know? You just never, you never had a sister show you when you're 15 what to do? Well, let me be the big sis and say, 10% is simply a dime out of every dollar, and it operates from this premise. You'll have more with 90% with God's blessing on it than you'll have with 100% with this curse on it. Because he controls the heavens, and he controls whether you'll have a job. He controls whether you'll have health. He controls whether you'll have cancer. He controls everything. Not trying to scare you, but he is in charge. He told Israel, I control the heavens. I give rain. I withhold it. You would think you'd find it logical to honor me. Put me first. Ushers, I want you to come. And we're going to collect these cards. I want to ask you to give. We so far are in the black, though the trend is in the red. We would be in the red now, but we received a $70,000 unexpected gift. 
that has balanced us and kept us in the black. So we are uh, neck to neck every week. We, there for a while we were reaching our budget. Now we've dropped down to 26,000, 32,038, but it's not the 40. And so who makes up that deficit? Well, God made it up by a gift. Now we're going to try to finish this year in the black. Be the first year we finish in the black through for the whole year in many years. I want us to receive that right there. I'm not going to put any money in this offering because I hopefully got a bunch of envelopes on my desk. I'll give second. Grant, I want you to know that. He watches and sees if I give. Father, I pray give us the commitment so we can pay the rent in the next three months, that those faithful givers to our Reaching the Future ministry would be willing to extend their continued giving through January through March. We're looking to you, Lord. We, ne we never get to graduate. We, we never, this thing never goes away. It's daily, weekly, Needs never end. Needs never end. It's like hunger. It never goes away. The fire continually, continually needs the wood, and your word continually calls upon your people to give finances. I'd rather preach the book of Habakkuk, Lord. I'd rather preach Micah. I'm a preacher. I'm not a fundraiser. But I've learned when I honor you a little bit with what you've given, oh, it is so blessed to be able to help. And so many of these precious saints, out of their little, have given. Continue to bless them. Give those who need jobs, jobs. Those who need finances in their own personal lives, oh, let us not be insensitive that we're going to get money for the church and forget them. It can never be, Lord. We must help them on the way. They're our brother. They're our sister. Bless this offering. Let us give it with a hilarious heart that we could give anything to the work of God. In Jesus' name, his people said, <laughs>